So last week, um, we spoke about compassion. Mike Robbins was here, and we talked about children uh, around the world that need our help, that need us to help them lift them out of poverty. This week, we're talking about things a little bit closer to home. We're talking about our community. We're talking about our city and the way that we impact them, the way that we outreach to them. I love being reminded of the verse that says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Everything that you're wearing, everything you sat on, stood on this morning belongs to God. It came from God. Everything we have comes from him. And it does as well to remember that, to remember that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. You know, can we be more generous if we have more money? Can we be more generous if we have more money? Do you ever ask yourself, if I had more money, I would be more generous? Is it possible? I don't think it is. Can we, be, can we help more people if we have more money? Yes, I think that's quite obvious. Can we help more people if we have more money? Yes, we can. But can we be more generous if we have more money? No, we can't. There's a difference between attitude and amounts. A huge difference between attitudes and amounts. In Mark 12, Jesus describes, or we, or sorry, Mark describes Jesus as he looks at the widow's offering. It says this in Mark 12, Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowds putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few pennies. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more in the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all that she had to live on. So important was this scene that Jesus called his disciples over. He said, come here, Peter, James, John, come and look at this. You must see this. Look at this widow. She has just dropped a couple of pennies into the offering. And what you'll notice is that she did it quietly. She just dropped her pennies in and she kept moving. She didn't walk past with a big bag of money and drop it from some great height for everybody to hear how much money that she put in. And what Jesus was explaining to them was that generosity is a matter of the heart. Generosity isn't about how much money you have, how much money you give, how much you think you would give. Generosity is a condition of the heart. And so this morning, I'm not asking you how deep your pockets are. I'm asking you how big your heart is. And I'm asking myself the same thing. Every time I've been through this message, (laughs) it's caught me. So I'm not asking you how deep your pockets are. I'm asking you how big your heart is. Yes, it's no surprise. I'm going to talk about money this morning. I'm going to ask you about money this morning. But the way we use it is merely an indicator of the condition of our heart. What we do with our money shows us where our heart is. You know, Jesus left us with a pretty simple framework for our lives, or I think it was pretty simple. The great commandment and the great commission. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said that's the greatest commandment. And everything else, the law and the prophets, all come into this, all fall under this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. And love your neighbor as you love yourself. You know, some of us are good at the first part and not the second. Some of us love God. Just cannot do anything but love God, spend time with God, worship God. But we're not so great when it comes to the second part of loving our neighbor. Anybody this week lost their rag with somebody as they got caught up in traffic? Not just me then. (laughs) Love your neighbor. How would you want to be treated? If you make a mistake, do you want to be forgiven? If you're in need, do you want to be helped? But some of us love God and we're not so good at the second part. Some of us are amazingly good at love your neighbor. Some of us are really good at social action. Some of us are really good at helping the lost, at seeing people that other people don't see and getting involved. But sometimes in our over-exuberance in that, we sometimes forget why we're doing it. We sometimes forget that it's God that's called us to do this. But if we truly surrender our hearts to God, if we give him our hearts, that involves everything. If we give him our hearts and truly follow him, we should by faith be doing both. We should be loving God with all our hearts and loving our neighbors as we love ourselves, one as a result of the other. The world isn't great. You only have to turn on the news. The world isn't great at loving their neighbor. 
But when you love God with all your heart, with all your soul and your mind, loving your neighbor should come relatively easy. It certainly comes next. In the book of James, in the Bible, it says that faith without works is dead. That doesn't mean don't do works, but it means faith without works is dead. What it's saying is there is a follow-on from believing in Jesus. There's a follow-on from giving your heart to Jesus. That is your heart becomes like his. His heart for the lost. His heart for the needy. His heart for the captive. His heart for the poor. Faith without works is dead. What about the Great Commission? Go into all the world and make disciples. Well, how do we make disciples? That debate could go on. We could be here for a week and not decide on how to make disciples because everybody thinks it should be done differently. And there are many different ways. There are thousands of different books, many different ways of making disciples. I believe it's about doing life together. That's what I think. And we need help with that. We need instruction with that. But I don't believe it's programs. I don't believe it's entirely books that helps. But it's doing life together. But to build a disciple, you've got to have a convert. To have someone that wants to be a disciple, they have to believe in Jesus in the first place. I have a very simple theology for outreach, for reaching people. And it's that of Zacchaeus. The Bible tells us many things. We will never get to the end of the Bible in our lifetime. But that story of Zacchaeus, this diminutive, small tax collector that wanted to see Jesus, heard great things about Jesus, heard how a, what a wonderful guy he was. He was doing these amazing things, and I need to see him. And I'm so short, I need to climb a tree to see him. But that's where Jesus finds him. Zacchaeus, he's up a tree. And Jesus comes to him and he says, Zacchaeus, sort your life out. You need to change your clothes. You need to change your job. You need to sort your attitude out. You need a heart transplant. No, he didn't, did he? He said, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house for dinner. That was it. No preconditions. Jesus said, I'm coming to you for dinner. And what happened? Zacchaeus encountered Jesus. And Zacchaeus changed. He paid people back. He started to follow Jesus. He became a very different person because he'd encountered Jesus. You can't be a disciple until you've encountered Jesus. Because you encounter Jesus, your life begins to change. That's what outreach is all about. Outreach is introducing people to Jesus. It's helping people find Jesus. That's what Jesus did. He reached out to the lost. He reached out to those on the fringes of society. At that time, he reached out to women who should have been seen and not heard. He reached out to children who everyone wanted to just push to one side. He reached out to the poor, the lowly, the sick. People everybody said had to be outside the city. He reached out to them. Outreach. Jesus talked of going after the one. I'm going to leave the 99. Everybody here this morning, if you know Jesus, you're in that 99. And he's going after the one. And if you want to be like Jesus, we've got to go after the one. Unfortunately... There are about 7 billion of the ones. And we need to go after them. And this is outreach. Jesus reached out to the lost. Today I'd like to talk about some of our outreach ministries. Some of the things that we do to reach out to those that don't know Jesus and to help them. And how these ministries help us work within this framework I've just talked about. About loving God with all your heart, your soul and your mind. And about going and making disciples. In that space there is room. We are called to do Outreach, to reach others. So why, why outreach? I want to read to you from, if you've got your Bibles with you, this is a longer passage from Matthew 25, verses 31 to 40. And these are the, the words of Jesus. And he's talking about the end of time. He's talking at the time of judgment, when the world is over. And Jesus is sitting in judgment. And he says this. So this is Matthew 25, 31 to 40. When the Son of Man comes in glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. 
I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison or go to visit you? The king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. If we go back to verses 34 to 35, then the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. All who believe in the name of the Lord or who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. This is our inheritance that Jesus is talking about. But then he goes on to say, for I was hungry, because I was hungry. And you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you came in and gave me something to drink. You clothed me, you fed me, you visited me. Because there's an expectation here which Jesus is almost taking for granted. If you know me, you will have done these things. Your inheritance because you did these things. Because if you know me and you know my heart, you will have fed the poor. You will have given a drink to the thirsty. You will have clothed the naked. You will have visited the prisoner. You will do those things. It's taken for granted that if we love Christ, we will do these things. Now, I'm going to show you the way we do some of these things in this church. So we're going to watch, I apologize, there's a few videos, but it's much better than listening to me, I promise you. It, it makes the point a lot more clearly. So we're going to watch the first video, and this is just going to, just going to highlight Supron. It's about three minutes long, just going to highlight Supron, one of the outreach ministries that we have here at Plymouth Christian Centre. In Plymouth there are more people in debt than the national average. According to Citizens Advice in Plymouth, the most common financial difficulties are caused by fuel, water and rent arrears, council tax arrears and debt on credit and debit cards. This all means that money left for buying food is limited. Food insecurity is reported to be the highest in Plymouth amongst individuals claiming universal credit and other benefits. The Plymouth Soup Run is the first port of call for many individuals in crisis. In the first half of this year, they have seen a 40% increase in people accessing their meals. We're working through the soup room with people who've got very complex lives. They've got other things going on in their lives apart from being hungry and they, they're experiencing poverty in other ways. It's not just food poverty, they're, they're poverty of all sorts of resources and relationships. I'm at the soup run today because um, I'm on a very low wage. Um, my husband and myself, we're on working tax credits but we receive £90 a week. It's just difficult, what with the rent top-up, to pay for the electric, water. We don't have enough to buy enough food for the week, so we come to the soup run, um, which is like a little lifeline for us. That's a Cornish pasty. That looks like, I think that's a croissant, which is lovely. I think that's chicken. Well, this could last, I would say, two days. Okay. I would say tonight and tomorrow, um, all the way up until the next suit run, you know. I think balancing money has become more difficult for people. And obviously there are people who are working but on zero hour contracts so that their money is very variable and they don't know when they're going to always get money. And then if you've got a few bills to pay as well, it's just a balancing act for people, really. And often, food isn't the thing that becomes the most important to them. Because if they've got a roof over their head and they've been homeless previously, they really want to try hard to keep that roof over their head. Life is difficult for many people, even people that are working that can't make ends meet. And so... Our church, as part of many in the city, we go out every single night. In fact, we've got some slides to show you that I'm just going to talk you through. So Supron here is a citywide ministry. As I said, there's many different um, charities and churches that do Supron. We are one of them. This church goes out every Friday night, all year 
round. They go out. We've been out on Christmas um, Day evening. We've been on Christmas Day. We've been out New Year's Day. It doesn't stop. It runs right the way through the year. And some of these costs for you to see, in um, the last year, 22 to 23, it cost £8,000 just in this church to run Supram. We did have donations of, of £3,000, which was wonderful. But costs, as you know, all of us, we go to the supermarket and what we bought last week is no more this week. That, this is what has been happening. So that, what we, what we um, spent here, when you divide that into each week, Supram costs £154 a week. Um, and when you look on the, the Supron uh, website or on their blog, they feed it around between 65 and 85 in any given uh, week, on any given day, that is. Um, and they're fed most days, whether it's out of the Supron or whether it's in Shekinah, uh, down by Union Street there. And that equates roughly to two pounds per person that's fed, which, which sounds fantastic. But they're seeing more and more people. Those numbers, when I used to do Supron a few years back, we would see 40 people a week. That's, as you can see, it's nearly doubled regularly we're seeing more and more people in need and if you want to know uh, more about Plymouth Soup Run you can um, look at their I was looking this week at their Facebook um, if you're into Facebook I'm not I specifically went on to look at Facebook but please go and have a look and then you'll see lots of different stories about the different teams one of our teams was on there just um, last week and you'll be able to see what they get up to what they do some of the things they get involved in and you'll be able to it might pique your interest you might think that's something I want to do I want to get involved in um, but I want to talk about some of the the things that we need uh, for Supran. So we need Paul, who has led uh, Supran, Paul McDowell and Catherine faithfully for at at least a couple of years. They've led it really well. But these things go in cycles, go in seasons, and it's time they want to lay this down. Um, It it can be all-consuming leading leading Supran. So we're looking for a new leader, uh, a coordinator, to start work from um, October, to start volunteering to lead this ministry. You know, maybe that your heart isn't to go out on the street and to give out food, but you think, you know what, I am a brilliant organizer. I am a fantastic coordinator, and I could help people do this, to build the teams to make sure people go out uh, every single week. We need committed volunteers. To do this uh, ministry, you need to be committed. There's teams of about six that come in on a, on a Friday night to prepare and to serve, but it only takes one or two to not turn up, and it suddenly becomes quite hairy. Suddenly the time goes, and suddenly there's only four of you out in the street, and things can change. So you need to be a committed volunteer. So unless you're sick or an emergency, you need to show up, but we need more volunteers. We'd like volunteers uh, to collect surplus foods on a Friday. There are places in the city that have food left over. We've had a couple of people contact us uh, about this. So it could be you think, you know what? On a rotor once a month, I could drive into town. I could drive through a few pasty shops and bakeries, and I could pick up what they have left, and I could bring that in to the suit run on a Friday. That wouldn't have to be every week, but once, once in a month maybe. And we're also looking for, for soup or for food cooks who perhaps on a monthly rota or however that works out would come in on a Friday afternoon, early Friday evening and would, would do a, a big pan of food, whether that's soup or perhaps it's a chili or a curry or whatever is easily distributable. If you think that, that you could do that, if you think you've got the skills to do that, you think you'd like to do that, or you know that you and someone else could do that together, then we'd love to hear from you so that we can do things um, a little bit differently. Then obviously one of the reasons we're talking about this morning is financial support. So today we're going to ask for, um, for, for money. I'm not going to be ashamed of asking for that. We're going to ask for, for money to help support this ministry and others. Uh, so we need financial support to keep this going. Um, you can see, when you go out on the street and you see the people in need, they really are in need. These aren't people that just think, I want to top up. They really cannot uh, make, uh, get through one day to the next. So we really need your help to do this. And prayer. We always need prayer. These ministries need prayer. The teams that go out on the street, it's not always easy. It's not always straightforward. They, they encounter some difficult characters, some awful weather, uh, some different setbacks. So they need your prayer. So if it comes to mind every Friday night, then they would love to hear from well, I'd love to hear and know that you are praying for them. And I would ask you to prayerfully consider whether you could get involved in Supram, whether you think, you know what, this is something I want to do. And if you know that you're committed, then we'd love um, to hear from you. So that's Supran. And what, what does it say in the passage we've just read? It says, for I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. This isn't just meeting poverty where we find it. This is doing what Jesus has called us to do. So we've got another video that will lead us on to our next uh, ministry. Well, I was a working man. I was doing all right last year. And obviously I come off work and I couldn't afford food anymore. And I was eating a lot of junk and 
I just wasn't getting any better and it was like I was in this horrible loop of just oh, it's madness and I noticed that when I could walk in a shop and a pack of grapes would cost me three quid but a Munster Munch and a pack of Skittles would cost me a pound and all this healthy stuff which we need, we need it, is going up through the roof and we can't afford it. Our wages would change but then things will go up again so really you never it's just, we're always losing out, I feel. So as well as the predominantly homeless that access to Supron on a daily basis, there are people that, that have a home, but for whatever reason, they cannot make ends meet from one week to the next. Sometimes it's losing a job. Sometimes it's a partner walking out. Sometimes it's benefits being stopped without notice. We don't know what it is, but, but they can't make ends meet. And so there, there is another... Uh, ministry that we run here at the church. But just want to read these words again uh, from the passage we read. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Love Thy Neighbor started uh, during lockdown, the ministry here, and it was predominantly back then for people that couldn't get out. If you remember that, those awful days of lockdown where people just couldn't get out, they couldn't do things. Um, and so we started to deliver. It was Kate that said to me, she said to Pastor Dave, she said, can we do something about this? Can we start to uh, deliver food to people? And that's what we started to do. Over lockdown, many of you were involved in that, driving out to people, collecting prescriptions that people couldn't get out and get. And we just really helped the local community. Um, but it started to develop. We realized that once COVID was over, that there was a different kind of need the need was still there but it wasn't delivery it was it was for food for people that that were struggling so i'm going to play uh, another video and then i'm going to ask um, i'm going to ask kelvin and any of the other love thy neighbor team if you're brave enough to come up i'd love to uh, to talk to you briefly and um, but we're going to play another video while, while kelvin um, and the others come up what we do is we offer free food we don't ask questions and we treat people like human beings so they can uh, if they don't like a particular thing, they don't have to take it. We, we have a, quite a variety of choice. We meet people that are full of addiction, heroin. We meet young mums that are uh, struggling from physical abuse in the home and trying to make ends meet. We meet people also that are just hungry and trying to make, uh, make the money go round. It's become a warm place where people can find friendship. We try to counsel them and help them maybe with, with benefits. Um, but there are lonely, broken people that are coming to not just have food, but to have help and to feel that they actually have some meaning again. I want to see this area and this community through the eyes of Jesus. I want to see what he sees. And we only see that when we move out from our couple hours of a Sunday morning or evening and we walk around and we engage with the community. And we realize that side is a great, great need that can be met. But we're able to do this because of the generosity of people's hearts in our fellowship. Without that, this really wouldn't work. So it seems they're pretty shy. This is the kind of team that we have at Love Thy Neighbour. Um, unless any of them want to come up now, um, a lot of them just want to keep their heads down. They just do what they do. They just love and they serve the people around them. Um, I, was at, I went to visit again on um, Tuesday evening and um, I was actually blown away by uh, some of the things that I saw. Um, can you give these guys a hand? Honestly, we do need to honour them. They've really worked so hard. I just want to thank him. He's going to hate me for this. He's probably going to swing for me afterwards. Um, but Julie, um, can you come here, Julie? <laughs> Julie um, works at the East End Community Centre. And, um, and about, is it about two years ago now? Two years two ago. Years ago. Just as COVID was coming to an end, we kind of, we got talking and Julie said, we'd love to do something more in the community because we've been shut down for two years. We haven't been able to do anything. And at the time, Love Thy Neighbour was coming to an end and we had a lobby full of food. I know where to really put it and know where to take it. And we kind of said to Julie, I said, oh, could we? And she was like, hmm, hmm, don't know about that. But, um, but just this week, you, you readily now, you serve people food out of the East End Community Centre, didn't you? Yeah. Because you, you saw the vision, you saw that people in this community needed, needed help. So, so tell us a little bit about that. 
Right. Um, we have a small room that obviously we didn't use, which you sort of twisted my arm to use. <laughs> we kind of went against the board of directors because we'd already looked at soup runs and everything like that. We couldn't do it. We couldn't do a food larder. It's too much work. But we wanted to do something. So when you came and he said he wanted to do this, so we thought, okay. And then it sort of snowballed and we started discussing things, how we could, you know, have people come in, but make it a crisis centre. Not about food, it's about the extra support that they need. That was what it was all about. Yes, they need the food, but sometimes they just come in and have a chat. And it's having that feeling part of something and go, self-worth. Because some come in and they just think nobody cares at all. And that, to feel so isolated and lonely is, yeah. And like I said, we've got a great team. I've, I've started working because my role as centre manager is now, is yes, is, it's now we've got it in place. It's, it's safe in there because we've got council backing. At the like I said at the beginning, we had, I had a fight against directors. They didn't want it. It wasn't part of what we were set up to do. But there was such a need. There is nowhere within our locality that does this. And we have such a diverse, we live in such a diverse place, area, you know, unemployed, you know, homeless, or, you know, everything. We've got everything within that. And, yeah, it's absolutely, and you touch people's, what you do is we touch on people's hearts. You know, some come and they just a bit of help and they're going, that's fine. Some need more support, but we're staying, yeah, you're staying where you are. We've, we've got it set in stone. We've got council backing and now it's just my job to keep the funding, to do my, my job to do this extra funding for them. Well, thank yeah. you so much, Julie. Really appreciate what you do. Thank you. Kelvin, do you want to just, um, just tell us how things have developed over the last, over the last few months? Um, I finished work two years ago. What next, Lord? <laughs> that was the words, what next, Lord? Pastor David's down there, and I, I remember the story Pastor David said about a, a shore full of starfish, thousands of them all dying, washed up, nowhere to go, no one cares. And the, and the guy down there, he's picking one up, and he's throwing them in. And a lot of criticism. Not going to make much difference there, but it made a difference to that one. So the answer to the question is we're changing lives, one life at a time. There's sadness. Saturdays we, we've geared more to uh, single mums, so we have single mums that come in from domestic violence. I was reminded of that again this morning, uh, where we can sit with them. Um, Tuesday nights, a little bit more sparky, where we have uh, people with um, addictions. Uh, so... Um, we have 17 on the team, so different teams with different nights to, to deal with different stuff. But what I would like to say is, I remember many, many years ago, Richard Bunt started uh, Kids Club. That's a big open door for us. Single mums come in with kiddies. The kiddies go to Kids Club. The Kids Club pull their mums into church. It's wonderful. So it's not just about that building. It's not just about us. It's about things that have been... Uh, the, roots, foundations that have been laid down in here by, by people like Richard. Also the men's uh, breakfast that we have on Saturdays. A lot, of, a lot of effort goes in, but it gives us something to invite some of the addicts and different people uh, along. Yes, we give them food. We, we try to counsel help. Um, Mark helps with um, benefits. A lot of them struggle with benefits. Let's be honest, some of them haven't even got phones. You know, so benefits, come on, I mean, that's just... You've got to drop a shoulder on that one. But yes, we see some, we see some difficult situations. We've got, you've got one man that's got three, three children, just on his own. He's got nothing. Yeah. Yeah. I've, learned, I've learned where tears come from. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Thank you, mate. Thank you, Calvin. Just want to... There are others. We've met, we've met Julie. This is Janet. And you've Sarah. And Margaret, who I'm going to embarrass even more in a moment, uh, Kelvin and Richard. And when I went to see them on Tuesday, not all of them there, but on this particular Tuesday, it reminded me why they do what they do. And that, that I was fighting back tears at some point because when you hear the stories of what they do, there, there was, there, there's people that come, I wouldn't see this, you see, but people come into the centre and they offer them food and they say, would you like this, would you like that? And they're like, no, I don't want this, I don't want that, I don't need that. And they start to think, why is it they don't want this food? Oh. They can't cook it. You can't cook food, can you? You've got no facilities. And they're like, no, I've got a kettle and that's it. 
people are trying to survive week to week with just a cattle. So these guys think, oh, Calvin says some of them got no teeth, they can't chew. So some of the food that they have is bespoke to them. But what they've done is they think, well, let, let's, let's do that. Somebody has said, well, I will give you money every month, and I want it just to go to equipment. But these guys will look on Facebook Marketplace, and if someone's getting rid of a microwave or a toaster, Richard's neighbor, someone's neighbor was getting rid of stuff. I said, well, I'll take it. And so now, not just giving people food, they're actually helping them to cook the food that they're giving them. And they're just slowly elevating people from where they are into another place. And I just think what you guys, guys do, your insight, how you, you see people that other people don't see. You see the stranger and you invite them in. And I just want to thank you for that. Can we just thank these guys again? Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you very much. So I'll go through some slides for Love Thy Neighbour in a moment, but there's, there's four M's I wrote down. One was microwaves. I didn't want to forget that. I was just so touched by they saw a problem and they've just overcome it. There's a problem. How do we get around it? And they've just done it, thinking for themselves. Another M I've written down is, mer is mercy. The mercy that we see that they give them out. They, they get grief off some people when they come in. They get trouble off some people, but they don't stop loving them. They're constantly showing them mercy. And mission, as Calvin said, we're seeing people coming to church. There are at least five people or five families that have started coming to church through Love Thy Neighbor. When we started this, we said it's, it's not about the food. Yes, it is about the food, but it's not about the food. We want people to get the bread of life as well as the food that we're offering them. And I just want to say Margaret has made a huge difference as well because now she's actually helping people, signposting people. So people are coming in with addiction problems, they're being signposted to experts that are able to help them and go on the right program. People coming in and then they can't make head nor tail of the benefit system and Margaret is helping them. They come in and, and their washing machine's broken or their, their fridge freezer is broken and they can't, they've got nowhere to store this food and, and Margaret helps them to get another one. I think what she does needs uh, special mention because I think what, what she does who she deals with and how she does it is just so wonderful. So thank you. I've lost her, but thank you, Margaret. What you do is amazing. So I just want to run through some slides quickly uh, for Love Thy Neighbour. You've heard a lot of this. Local community ministry. This is right here. It's across the road. Most of you park your car outside it. This is where it happens. They meet every Tuesday evening and every Saturday morning. Um, as you've heard, they're there, rain or shine, every week. The cost for this ministry for, for last year, now shut up and take a breath probably, £14,500. But I want to highlight that what Calvin has done when he took it over, he has just been brilliant at saving money, at cutting corners, at doing deals with people. I'm starting to call him Dowboy instead of Calvin because the amount of deals he does with people, whether it's the cafe across the road, whether it's fair share, they say to him, you know, you can have this, but you need to take that. And he says, oh, okay. And then he spends all afternoon trying to give it away for free. He's just what he does is amazing. So he is bringing it down. But that's equal to £279 a week. And the 15 to 20 individuals, now don't, don't just think individuals, 15 to 20 individuals and families supported each week means it's about £14 per person or family fed. Now, I don't know about you, but I think that's pretty good. £14 per person or family that keeps them going through the week. But that's just individuals and families. You think of the children involved, you think of the, the other people that live with them involved, and that, that price comes down even more. And they're starting to get regular referrals from, from Nominee across the road, from Bernardo's, from different local schools and charities, and they're able to help so many different people. Um, what, are, what are the outcomes of Love Thy Neighbor? What have we, what have we seen? Relationships develop, develop with local businesses, the cafe across the road, the co-op just down here with Julie and her team. The lady Mares has even visited. Uh, she's paid a visit and she's helped them with some of the funding so they're aware of this. The community knows that this church cares about them. People in this community talk and they know that we care about them through this ministry. Uh, people slowly being elevated out of poverty, whether it's just giving them something to cook with, whether it's giving them the food they need to get through the week, if it's Margaret helping them with their finances. And people are being provided with financial and welfare advice, like I said. So what do they... Well, there's more outcomes. This is people being signposted. I've repeated all this. I'll go through it quickly. Signposted for help with addictions. We're not just walking past people. We're helping them and telling them where they need, showing them where they need to go and they can come back to us for food. Basic cooking facilities are being provided. Hungry people are being fed. And like I said, the one thing I love more than anything is that people are starting to come to church through this ministry. Now, I haven't got time to tell you my testimony, um, but I was in church about... 
15 years ago, mind my own business, came with my wife because she wanted me to come. And I sat over there by the, the third pillar down. And God broke into my life. I wasn't looking for him. I wasn't asking him to. But he did. Because God is here. He's everywhere. But when we gather on a Sunday morning, he's here. And so the thing that excites me most is that people are coming from over there and they're migrating into here. And when they're here, they can hear the voice of God. They can see people like you that know God, whose lives have been changed by God. And so I just rocked up one Sunday morning and my life was completely changed. And this is why we do outreach. We reach out to people that are lost and we bring them in so that they can encounter Jesus like Zacchaeus and their lives can be changed. One more video before I go back to scripture. The reason I come here is because my mum's single and she needs help with some stuff. So I come here to get some stuff for her and the people are really nice here, they're caring and understanding. And sometimes I just come here to speak with them because they're really nice. You know, it's helping, it's helping me greatly once a week. You know, all the people down here, they're, I would say they're quite caring. I've got to know Kelvin and Richard very well. Um, and it's not, I, I think they want more than just, you know, the main priority of us is this food bank. But I think they take interest in people now. Um, I've got quite a close relationship with, with Richard. And um, I can, if I need anything, all I've got to do is ask. And, you know, and that, it's that sort of people here. And um, I think they're doing a very good job. They're looking after this community around here. And, um, and long may it last, because it, they're doing an excellent job, you know, and yeah, it's all good. They are doing a fantastic job. And I just want to, Gloria can't be here this morning, Calvin's wife Gloria, but she comes along with Gloria, um, with Calvin. And I know Calvin talked about going back to work so he could have a rest from Love Thy Neighbour, but Gloria's by his side all the time. And when you see her wrap her arms around people that think they're unlivable, they just fall apart. And that's what she, what she is so brilliant at, is she loves the unlivable. And that's what we're all called to do. That's what Jesus did. He loved the unlivable. I don't know about you, but I was unlivable. But then Jesus loved me. We're all unlivable. But we need to reach out to these people. So, finance. I'm gonna, I am going to be asking about money. I've talked about this. There are many other ministries in the church. The Children's Ministry, Kids Club, reach out to the kids. They reach out in the schools. They do assemblies. They also do the, as you've seen in the notices, they do the holiday fun. They have kids from the local community in, and they give them something to eat and they share a message of the gospel, something from the Bible with them. There are many ways we reach out to people in our local community. So I do want to talk about giving just briefly for a moment. And there's um, a story in Luke 12, the parable of the rich fool. Well, Jesus overhears people talking and they, they come to him and they say, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. I want to share in the money, the money. I want the money. I want a share of the money. And Jesus replied, who appointed me as judge or arbiter? This is not who I am. This is not my job. But he does have advice for them. And he says, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And he told them this parable of a rich man who had a bumper crop. He was like a farmer with a huge farm, had a bumper crop, and he had nowhere to put it. And so his first thought was, I need to build bigger barns. I need to build bigger barns so I can keep all this grain. I can keep this bumper crop for myself, for the future. Now God says to him, you fool. You fool. You do not know when I'm going to call you home. You do not know when your life will end. So you're making all these plans with all this money, with all this wealth, but you can't take it with you. Why are you doing that? Why do we store up everything that we have? Why do we keep everything to ourselves? Why do we want more and more? Jesus says, this is how it will be with whoever stores up for things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. The Bible talks to us about storing up treasure in heaven because vermin and moss do not destroy but why store up on earth because it's no good to you see the problem with wealth is that it can breed laziness when we get comfortable I think comfort is the most dangerous thing for a Christian in this world when we're comfortable we stop looking around us when we're comfortable we stop looking at ourselves when we're comfortable we sometimes stop listening to God we can't take our wealth with us but there is a better life when we are rich towards God. God promises us. He says, test me. When you give your money to me, when you give your money back to God, he says, test me in this. The only time he says, test me. Test me 
in this. See how good I am when you give your money away to me and to my work. See how good I am. But I don't want to condemn anybody that has plenty of money this morning. Don't be condemned. There is nothing wrong with being wealthy. We said generosity is not about amounts. It's about the condition of your heart. So please don't be condemned if you're wealthy this morning. In fact, my email is paul at plymouthchristiancenter.org. If you feel burdened with your barns, if you've built some bigger barns and you think, I need to kind of move this on, then please feel free to let me know. There's nothing wrong with being wealthy. When we're wealthy, we can give things away. I talked to our young adults about this a, a while ago, and there was this thought that Christians must be poor. Christians must be poor because we're supposed to give everything away. I think, right, think about that for a moment. Let's everybody give everything away. Who do we help tomorrow? We've got to be good stewards with what we've been given. We trust God for what we've been given. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Everything we have comes from him. And when we give back to him, we are blessed. I'm going to come on to that now. So why should we be generous to God and to others? And what happens when we are? I've got another scripture for us. I'm going to unpack it very briefly. This is 2 Corinthians 9, 6 to 15. And the context here is that Paul is calling upon um, the Jews, sorry, the Christians in Corinth to hold a collection for the Jews that are struggling in Jerusalem. They're under persecution. They're suffering from, from poverty. They're really struggling a lot. And so, so Paul calls upon the Corinthians uh, to have a collection, to gather some money together for them because they are in need. And it says this in 2 Corinthians 9, 6 to 15, and they're, they're going to come up on the screen for you. And in bold are some of the things I want you to take notice of. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, and you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of need. I'm going to enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but it is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. What Paul is saying is we have been given everything. Jesus has given us everything. And when we give away, he will give to us. When we bless others, he will bless us. This is not about a cash machine in the sky where you give away money and God will give you more money. It's not about that. But when you bless others, God promises to bless you in each and every way. And there are four things I want to pull out of that passage, and, and time is marching on, so I'll do this quickly. But in verse 11, what happens when you give away? Paul is saying, when you give money to the poor, when you give away to your brothers and sisters, what happens? In verse 11, he says, you will be enriched. He's not just talking about money here, but he says, you will be enriched. God will enrich you. He will bless you in every way. There are many ways which God will repay you for your blessings. Number two, God will be thanked. In verses 11 and 12, God will be thanked. People will see that what you do is because of your love for God. They will see that you are being obedient to God. Why do we see people coming in from love thy neighbor into church? Because they're slowly making that connection between the love that they're being shown and the love that's been shown to us. And that circle of love that needs to go on. That love that we need to pass on. So God will be thanked. Number three. When you give to others, it will supply the needs of the Lord's people. This one's quite straightforward. We're called upon to give to those in need. This is a biblical principle. So this is what has happened, that the needs of the Lord's people will be met. And fourthly, the church will be strengthened. The church will be strengthened. When you think about what we're doing here this morning, when you think about what they do every Friday night throughout the year, when you think about what we do every Tuesday, what we do every Saturday, the church will be strengthened. We are being Jesus to the people out on the street. We are being Jesus to the people that, that come and visit us. 
And we're praying that they will see the connection, that the Holy Spirit will do the work between the love that they receive and the love that they, re- sorry, the love that they get, the love they receive, and the love of God. And my invitation to you this morning is to be part of this. Do you want to be part of a church that gives away? Do you want to be part of a church that is generous? Do you want to be part of a church where when you give away, when you bless, you are blessed? Do you want to be part of something where you see God thanked by people that don't even quite know him yet? Do you want to see the needs of the Lord's people being met? Do you want to see people being lifted out of poverty? Do you want to see people coming to Christ through the love that has been shown? And do you want to see this church be strengthened and be able to do even more and reach even more people? My invitation as we come to the offering is for you to be able to be part of this. Now, I'm going to invite the, um, the band to come up. We're going to sing uh, in Christ alone. We don't have to sing it. You can if you want to. We're going to stay seated as the band come and play in Christ alone to us. It talks about what Christ has done for us and what we can do in return, what we are called to do in return, to show that love, to show that, um, that compassion to those around us, to do to others what Christ has done for us. Now, there's going to be a slide coming up. It's going to show you how... Um, you can give this morning. There are three different ways in which uh, you can do this this morning. Um, one of them is, is this QR code here. Um, so one of the few times we encourage you to get your phone out in church, um, you can look at this QR code. You can scan the QR code, follow the instructions, and you can give to the outreach fund this way. Uh, similarly, after the service, in a moment, as, as this song is played, and you go into quiet reflection and think, what is God calling me to do? What is God calling me to give what action am I going to take on what I've heard this morning? There may be that you want to give later. And you can do that at Connect Corner uh, on the, the card machine. See, Emma's back there already this morning, our expert. So she'll be able to, to help you with that. Similarly, uh, bank transfer. You could do that this morning. You could go on our website or you could go on your website. Um, you could use the church bank details and you can transfer that way. So if you've not come prepared this morning, you think, you know, I really do need to give. God has put this on my heart uh, to give this morning. Then you can do it that way. Now, what I would, what I would um, ask you to do is this verse here that I've just read. Each of you, and I say this to you this morning, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So if you feel I've twisted your arm this morning, if you feel I've gone on too long and it's really bothered you, then don't give. But if God has placed it on your heart to give this morning, then you want to give. God loves a cheerful giver. I don't want you to give because I've twisted your arm. I want you to give because you love God. God loves you and he's called you to give to those in need and to see those four things, the enrichment of your life, that God will be thanked, that people's needs will be met and that the church will be strengthened. So we're going to, well, we, <laughs> the, the guys are going to uh, play this song. Just stay seated. If, if you can just put this, um, Eve, you can just put that slide up again um, on ways to give. I just ask you to sit and prayerfully consider what you feel God is asking you to, whether it's to give, whether it's to serve, or whether it's to pray. Just take a moment. So just as the collection finishes going around, I just want to just recap what we've talked about this morning, and that generosity is an attitude and not an amount. Giving is not an invitation, but it's an expectation from the riches that God has bestowed on us and that giving is an act of worship to the one who gives us everything that we need. I want to say to you this morning, perhaps for you, and it's very likely that money is tough, thy finances um, are hard. And you're more than welcome to, to access love thy neighbor. Is everybody is our neighbor. It's not just people outside the church, but inside the church. But I want you to think, you know, if, if I... If I can't give money, if things are really hard, one of what I'd say is think about trusting God in that. But more practically, you can pray for these ministries. Perhaps you could serve in these ministries. Perhaps your neighbor is given a microwave away. Perhaps you see something, an opportunity to do something in the moment that would support one of these ministries. So maybe things are hard for you as well. But I would ask, how can I serve? If it's not financially, how else could I give? How can I give of my time? How can I give of my service? Maybe I'm the one that could come and collect this surplus food that is in town. There are many ways in which we can give. But I just really want to say that the, the opposite of the love 
of money is generosity. Instead of holding on to our money, we hand it over, especially that which is surplus. Instead of building bigger barns, we nurture bigger hearts. That's not look at amounts, but look at the condition of our start hearts. Instead of looking to take, we look to give. We who have been given everything, life, food, family, freedom, new birth, forgiveness, redemption, the Holy Spirit, the promise of an unimaginable inheritance. Surely we can give something back to God and to those who need our help. Gospel people know that to whom much is given, much is expected. Before we, um, we sing again in worship, we're going to, in fact, let's just stand together as I just read this to you. I just want to read one final thing. This is um, from a man, a missionary called Simon Guillebeau, and he works in Burundi. And I was talking to somebody about this this week, about this story. And this really just sums up generosity. And one thing I want you to leave with today is generosity is not an amount. It's like the widow's two pennies. It's not about the amount. It's about the condition of our hearts. That's what generosity is. And he describes this story. In Burundi, Simon Guillebeau says, On many occasions, I've been overwhelmed by the sacrificial sharing of destitute believers in Burundi. Some time ago, I drove with a colleague on my motorbike to a displacement camp. It was a very dangerous outing. The rebels had just sent down the chopped-off heads of the soldiers they had ambushed. There were 40,000 people in the camp who had been forcibly regrouped several months earlier. They had no electricity, no water, and no sanitation. On average, 10 people were dying day after day, week after week. After the church service, I was taken back into a tin shack and fed beans and rice. I knew this was far beyond what they could afford. They were languishing in misery and starving to death whilst I had a packed fridge back home. They were giving me so much out of their so little, and so often we give so little out of our so much. Are you inclined to share or to hoard, Simon says? Take an inventory of all you have. Is there any action needed?